because it's hard. Like the tween years are kind of rough because you're starting puberty often. Friendships change, major crushings happening. Uh, so there's some confusion, social structure changes. And so... You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 389. Today, we're talking to tweens about sex. Yikes! With Amy Lang. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hello, dear listener. I'm so glad you are here today. This is such an important episode. Oh my goodness. But listen, if you haven't done so, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and please go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. If you get some value from the podcast, it just helps the podcast grow more. We're closing in on 3 million downloads and it's because of you. So it takes 30 seconds and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. From the bottom of my heart. And in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with sexuality educator Amy Lang, who has helped thousands of parents around the world become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. Amy is a Mom's Choice Award winner for her book and video and the host of Just Say This, an advice column style podcast offering parental guidance for birds and bees talks. Today, we are going to be talking about her new book, Sex Talks with Tweens, what to say and how to say it. And I have to tell you, you are going to want to get this book. I have told everyone on my team that they need to get this book. I've told my friends they need to get this book because it is so so helpful. So we're going to talk to how do we talk to tweens about sex, and we're going to talk about how to approach subjects like gender, bodies, puberty, consent, relationships, and so much more. And we'll talk about how you can approach these conversations and how these powerful conversations will protect our kids. So join me at the table as I talk to Amy Lang. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over you're losing it and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method and you've taken bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. 
Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Amy, thank you for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. So glad you're here. I'm happy to be here, too. I always love talking with you. I like talking with you, too. But once again, I'm like slightly nervous because my daughter is 12, going on 13. And I know I'm going to I know I'm going to be like, oh, I should be talking more about some things because we are talking about tweens and sex today, which is enough to make anybody's heart race. Just I think so. It's just part of it. Right. I think one tiny bit of advice is just accept that you're going to be uncomfortable. Right. Roll with it. Admit to it. It just makes everything easier. Yes. And, it, you know, I think sometimes people think it's kind of a parenting fail, right, to be uncomfortable or not to know what to say or to be behind. Like, I know you're feeling like you're behind, but it's not. I mean, you know, the deck stacked against us. We didn't get what we needed. No. Right. No, no. So the expectation that you're going to be like all a rock star at this and comfortable is just don't bother. It's OK to be uncomfortable. It's OK to say it. Because as you well know, it's connecting when we use a feeling word with our children <laughs> about our own feelings. <laughs> All right. So um, so in the next car ride, we, I'm sure I will have things to talk about because Amy has written a wonderful book called Sex Talks with Tweens and has answered the question of how do you say this, which is this is so brilliant, Amy. I'm sure you've been asked for this book for so long, but it basically gives us the language for how to say this. And Amy is an incredible person uh, and expert. And just so you know, she if you want to hear more of her, you can hear her on episode number 268 and 159 of the Mindful Mama podcast. But we're going to talk about tweens specifically today. Um, but before we dive into talking to tweens, I want to mention, right, that this having conversations about sex and sexuality and gender and things, it doesn't start when they're tweens, right? When do we start talking about these things? So ideally, like the first sex talk is using the correct names for private body parts when you're like changing the diaper and saying and wiping and wiping your penis. That occasionally happens. Um, wiping your vulva. And this is your vulva. This is your, you know, your bottom, your anus. I hate that word. But um, so like using those words and then having conversations about body boundaries and consent and friendships and then getting into the actual and then nuts and bolts of reproduction, which is my favorite way to enter the conversation because it's science and it's easier on parents to talk about science, that we can't ignore the fact that it's also a social situation, right? People do it because it feels good. It's about, you know, having a healthy body, understanding that, you know, this is something that's for later in life. And so, you know, getting that out of the way by five, which I think I talked about in the first podcast that we were, we did together, 
curriculum is really important because it's just easier on everyone. And so you just establish in your family when your kids are little, like, we talk about this. It's normal for us to talk about this. And your discomfort gets less as you get used to it and as they get used to it. And, you know, the... um you know, getting, you know, ideally you get to the tween years and they've got a lot of info. So it just makes it a lot easier to roll through this period of time because it's hard. Like the tween years are kind of rough because you're starting puberty often, friendships change, um, major crushings happening. Uh, so there's some confusion, social structure changes. And so, you know, part of that is romance and sexuality. So if you can set your kids up ahead of time to just have a kind of a little bit of stuff to talk about, it's easier. But but a lot of us may have gotten to this point, 9, 10, 11, 12, and not necessarily have talked about some of the things that we we know we should have talked about. Like we may be rolling with it. We may be, have been like killing it in some other ways, like maybe you're killing it with emotional regulation. You're like, yes, that's great. But you might be a little behind the ball on talking about things, sex and sexuality, because one of the things you talk about in your book is that, you know, like in an ideal world, we might we should have taught we would have talked about all the things in this book by the time your child's 12. Right. Isn't that what you say? Yeah. 12. And just and I I know I haven't talked about all of these things by the time and Sora is about to turn 13. You're not alone, right? Right. I mean, and I think one of the problems in our culture is like I just had a mom call me for some stuff that was going on with her child. And she kept people kept saying the experts were saying, oh, you shouldn't have the sex talk until they're 10. And that is just a cultural norm um, because that's for most of us. That's when, you know, it's like right before puberty for some kids. It's school has sex ed and it's a total myth. So she's getting all this misinformation, calls me and I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, because 10's too late. And don't, okay, I'm saying that 10's too late, but we don't know that. That's not the, like, if your pediatrician says to wait until 10, you're going to listen to your pediatrician, right? So, you know, it's typical, it's normal to be behind, no matter where you are in the conversation. (laughs) Like, it's normal to be behind. And, you know, getting it rolling in the tween years is fine. It's just a little harder because your younger kids are more on the uh, whatever (laughs) deal, right? But your tweets are like looking at the world, right? They're watching things. They're more attentive to relationships and romance and then their bodies. And then the word sex, they've all heard the word sex by the time they're nine or 10, you know, unless you live in a cabin in Montana and no media. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's assume that the listener that you may also have a tween and you may also be behind. I I love all the tips you have about talking about these subjects, but maybe thinking about the books about what obviously we we should, we can, we want to start kind of with like, we want to start with private parts and and how parts work and things like that. Would you then go into like their own personal changes and things like that, like puberty, puberty, kind of like what's the sort of pecking order where we want to kind of knock these down? Um, so it kind of depends. So some folks actually did have some kind of birds and bees talk, like lots of folks have, like they read a book. Yeah. Where did I come from was such a great. I love that you reference that, by the way, in um, talking about orgasm. Can we can we just make an aside to just talk about how great that is, that description of. Yeah. Yeah. The the analogy between an orgasm and a sneeze. Right. It's like this big feel good explosion. That's what an orgasm basically feels like. Not for everyone, but 
you know, but don't start with that. <laughs> okay, don't start with that. No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> getting back on track. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you, there's some choices that need to be made. So if you have kind of kicked the door open but you didn't pick it up again, then definitely start with the the sex like stuff and the bodies and all that kind of thing. So I would start there. If you have not, um, it is okay to start with puberty because you can use that as an entree into talking about sex because the reason your kid, you know, your your body goes from a kid body to an adult body is because it's getting you ready to be um, to have sex and, you know, potentially make babies. And so they need to know that as well. But the bigger piece of this is that they absolutely need to know that 99.999% of the time people are having sex and doing sexual things for fun because it feels good. And that goes a long way. It explains a lot. Because it, sex is not just for reproduction. And if you know, if two women are having sex, then there ain't no babies um, happening. So just establishing like this idea that sex is a good part of life, it's a positive part of life, and it's something for later in life, right? Um, we don't want 13-year-olds having sex. I mean, I don't. Guessing you don't. So you can start with puberty because it's an easier entree. And the other thing you can do too is just say to your kiddo, like, the word sex means? Have you heard of the word the word sex? You know what that means? And see what they do. So they may say male or female. They may say, ew, gross. I can't believe you're telling me that. They may say, yeah, isn't it like how you make babies? So you don't know what your kids know unless you ask, right? And in this day and age, because of we can have a whole nother conversation, a whole nother conversation about this because of the high rate of porn exposure. They may already have some experience or ideas about what sex is, which is sucks. Um, so I don't want to hijack our conversation with that, but I need you to have that in your head. Yeah. And there, there Amy has in the book and you should have uh, protections on your computer. Like you really should. Uh, we made this mistake. I'll admit it. We made it personally. My child actually overheard me say the word spanking on a mindful parenting coaching call a long time ago, and she Googled it. And then my husband saw, looked through a window and saw her. She had must have just Googled it. And what she came up with was porn. And it was so, you know, she must have been like eight at the time or something. You know, it was just not not we shouldn't have done that. That's our fault. And um, so, dear listener, don't do that. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And the season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. 
I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts, starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Yeah, and it wasn't, you wouldn't expect it though, right? You wouldn't expect it, and most folks don't. So. Again, side note, there's a great project, a product called Bark. It's in the show notes um, and it provides monitoring and filtering. And so and we're going to, everybody shove that freak out into the dark place. <laughs> other business to attend to. Um, so one of the things that we also, that also happens is that we're afraid we're going to hurt our kids or afraid we're going to encourage them to get busy. And all evidence shows that is just not the case. One of the lovely things about tweens is that sex grosses them out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, why would you want to do that? I'm never doing that. It's a very, very common response. And then your response is two thumbs up. Yay. <laughs> so by talking with them openly, it's not going to they're not going to run around and, you know, do it. Um, they're going to be more informed. They're going to feel better. They're going to be more confident. Um, and, you know, my goal for Milo, and this should be for goal for your kiddos, is that they are the smartest kid on the playground. You want them to be the smartest kid in their friend group because it's protective and it feels good to know the most about this stuff to them, mm. um, especially as they get older. So if there's an incident where, a ki- like, you do have to talk about porn, where their friend shows them porn or is talking about something they're able to say, you know, that's not cool to look at, or there's a conversation about something like oral sex. If your kid's the one that's able to say, yeah, and, you know, that's a sex thing, and you have, you can do it, you don't have to do it, like they're able to understand what it is, they're going to be less likely to Google, they may correct their friend, like there's so much slang, and they need to know that. It's, they feel better, and when you feel better, you do better, right? I mean, your whole universe is about helping us feel better, right? You feel better mm-hmm. information, you make better choices. And this is really the age to establish that, you know, I am the go-to. I gotcha. You can tell me anything. You won't be in trouble. All questions are good questions. And then you can say, you know, I might feel uncomfortable. You might feel uncomfortable, but this is such an important part of life. And it's the only thing we do. One of the only things we do from birth until death is be sexual, have sexual feelings and yeah. be, you know, have our gender and have all this romance. Like it's a huge part of life. And we kind of pretend like it's this extra thing. But it takes up everything, everything. It's everywhere. Mm. OK, so I'm writing the weeds of this. So this is perfect. Um, so we want it. I let I'm going to acknowledge the discomfort that I can take away. I love this idea that we want to talk about how mostly sex is done for pleasure. And um, there's a really there's been a lot of really fascinating books I have read about 
that recently, including Sex at Dawn, which I bet you have read, which is fascinating on that subject on a little side note. But when we say to our kids, most of the time, sex is done for pleasure. How do we get from there to things like, what is oral sex? I mean, and masturbation and orgasms um, and that kind of thing. How do we, I'm, I'm, worried, I'm wondering about how do we bridge from the basics and the biology to the nitty gritty? Because this seems like an insurmountable gap to me. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I totally feel it. When I, you know, I do uh, walk my talk, but I'm also a parent, right? And so I had not talked to Milo about oral sex. So the night before middle school, he's in his bedroom. I'm outside the door and I'm like, hey, do you know what oral sex is? Have you, have, do you, know what oral sex is? Have you ever heard of that? No, he, I said, have you ever heard of oral sex? And he said, yeah. And then I said, do you know what it means? And he said, no. And so I did my spiel, which is I'll give it now. And then you can get the book and you can have all the words for you. And I just said, well, um, you know how people have sex for pleasure. And sometimes one person will put their mouth on another person's penis or vulva and it feels good. They do it for pleasure. It's nothing. You don't ever have to do it. It's something they choose to do. And so when it's done to a person with a penis, it's called a blowjob, giving head, giving some slang. When it's done to a person with a clitoris, it's called, they say, people say they went down on or going down on someone. And again, it's not something you ever have to do. And I'm outside the bedroom. I'm not in the room with him. And Carrie, my husband, is across the living room. And so he's listening to all this. And um, it was good. And I said, do you have any questions? Nope. Right? Nope, says the child. And Carrie's just makes some crack about the whole thing. And we all, like, we all started laughing. <laughs> so it, that is all okay to do. So to your question. So you do, like when you say people do, you can say have sex and do sexual things. Like touching, body rubbing, kissing, you know, you establish that there's all, there's different kinds of things to do that are considered sexual. So there you go. You done that. And then there, and then you can say, you like I did. So, hey, have you ever heard of oral sex? Or maybe blowjob? You ever heard that, BJ? You throw it out there, right? Oh. We practice. This is why we practice. And you read the words and then you get them out your mouth, right out of your mouth. Uh -huh. So you see what they do. And and they may say, yes, no, gross. And even if they say they know what it is, you still say, well, this is what that is. And I know it sounds gross to you. That's because you're a kid. Sex isn't for this kind of stuff isn't for kids. It's for later in life, right? You can establish some boundaries around it and some limits around it. Um, and yeah, it's going to be gross to them. Because again, yay, good. We want that to sound gross in the moment for a while. I love, I love how direct this is and everything. But let's imagine the... The hypothetical person who may have an even older child, like who may even be like a teenager going on, say, 16, who has never said to that older child, have you ever heard of oral sex? And you're pretty sure they definitely have heard of oral sex. <laughs> Not that it's asking for anyone personal, but what what might you do for the person who who has really missed the tween years on this one? Um, so if you've blocked, I mean, so for everybody, this is rule of thumb. So for your tween, if you haven't started the conversations, just say, I blew it. We should have been talking about this. This is totally on me. I didn't think you were ready. I wasn't ready. I'm really sorry. We're going to start talking about this because it is so important to your health and your safety and your life. Um, it's a cool part of life. It's complicated. And I want you to be ready for it. Right. So we're going to just 
say I made a mistake, right? Teenager, I really blew it. And you just say, I should have been talking to you. It feels really awkward. I know you know a ton of stuff, but I'm worried about you being healthy and having good relationships. So I really want us to start talking about this. And they may pull the old, I know everything. I don't need to talk to you. And they don't. Hello, they're 16. Come on. Um, And I would say, you know, you're probably getting a lot of misinformation from your friends. I know your pals have seen porn and kids think teenagers use porn for sex education. Bad. So not good. Um, And so just start like we're going to start having these conversations and the same thing. I'm probably going to be uncomfortable. My parents didn't do this for me. And so then you again kick the door open. You need to get them books. Again, they're great books for teens about sex and sexuality. Um, And then you can use the world. It's really the nice thing about teenagers is you do not have to edit. You can just you can say all the things. So there's an article in the paper about abortion and you can be like, oh, okay. And whatever your opinion is about abortion, but I should not have said abortion because it's such a hot button issue. I am going to say this. One in four women in the United States terminates a pregnancy for any number of reasons. So if you are very shaming and mean and awful, frankly, about people who do that, if your child has a pregnancy, they are not going to talk to you about it because they know how you feel about that particular issue. So Take abortion away, but you have to talk about it. So it could be any number of things. There are all kinds of shitty relationships out there, right? So you can talk about how, oh my God, get this, right? This was terrible. Here's why. Um, And then when you're watching shows, right? It's great opportunity. Like sex education is awesome. Bridgerton, full of sex. Maybe you don't want to watch that with your kiddo, but there are opportunities to point things out. Um, Another thing with your uh, older kiddos, and you can do with younger kiddos too, is to say, hey, what are you, like, what's going on with your friends? Don't ask them what's up with you, right? Like, hey, you know, so-and-so's boyfriend, boyfriend, how's that going for them, right? Because you're going to be able to get, gather some data and that'll lean them into like, well, what are you, you interested in anybody? You dating? How's your relationship going? You know, you just need to push yourself into it. And again, the beauty is you do not have to edit. You can just say whatever the heck you want. You can ask the questions, you can say the things, you don't need to worry about that because again, they're getting so much information from their peers. And then that source that starts with P, the other source that starts with P, um, it's just important. And it's okay, right? And they may give you the cold shoulder and that's okay too, but you just need to like, my whole thing is like make the effort so you can say, I tried, I tried, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to be a little brave. Uh, I will, dear listener, I will be being brave with you and I'll be saying, hey, because I get a lot of, real um angry pushback from my oldest child and um and i'll say this is going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be over soon (laughs) then we're going to say this we're going to talk about this thing um which you know i got from you a long time ago and i really appreciate that what about like um disclosing our own sexual history what do you say about that and starting these conversations if ever so Overall, our kids don't want to know about our sex lives, right? No, thank you. I'm pretty sure. Right, your parents sex <laughs> life. Thanks. Um, so you can hold that. You can take yes, yes, good. Like we know that. So you don't need to talk about how you had 14 sneezes <laughs> last night. Right? They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. But with your own personal history, so my belief is that it is totally what t- good to talk about your early dating and your past relationships. So you know, like my first boyfriend, XYZ, my first girlfriend, my first partner, blah, blah, blah. 
um, to talk about that relationship, what it was like. It's okay, you know, to say, you know, we had sex. I was safe, not safe, right? Um, talk about the first time you had sex, what was good about it, what wasn't good about it, um, what you wish you had done differently, and then what you hope for your kiddo. So they, it is okay to talk about that because it's far away in the past. You learned lessons, right? It's They're not going to attach it to you, 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 <laughs> like you now, because you're talking about your history. Um, you don't have to tell them about the first time you had sex. Um, but if they ask you, you need to, there's a script in there for it, actually, like what to say to kind of avoid it. Um, and and you can, um, but I'm an, I feel like you should be honest. However, however, if the first time you had sex, you were assaulted or it was not a positive, relatively speaking, if it wasn't a consensual experience, I do not tell your kids that. Talk about the first time you had consensual sex. Uh, the reason I um, am not for having talking about that kind of thing um, is because your child needs to see you as whole and healthy and it is traumatized, can be traumatizing to them to hear that this traumatic happened to you. Not everybody agrees with me, but um, I think we can all kind of look back. And I know lots of folks, parents that divulged that they were sexually abused or whatever. And so if you kind of think about how that was for you, at like however old you were when you learned that, did you need to know that? Like, did you, as a, did you need to know that as a child? Um, so just thinking about that um, and and then if that didn't happen to you, thinking about how you might have felt if, you know, if your mom when you were 10 said, you know, said, yeah, I was sexually abused by my cousin for 10 years. How's that helpful? So that's my thing. So here, but you can talk about it when they're older. Like, let's do some brain development. Let's do 25, 28. Or if it happens to your child, then you can say, this happened to me too. And I'm here for you, right? So you can say it then. Um, be careful about the detail because, again, we don't want to re-traumatize our kiddo with with our own crap. Okay, so we want to talk to kids when they're teens and tweens about uh, safe sex, right? I mean, regardless of, and we haven't even gotten into sort of gender and identity and all those things, but anyway, regardless of whether they may identify as gay or straight or whatever gender they identify as, but we want to be talking to them about safe sex. Help us walk us through an initiation of that conversation. Well, I think one of the biggest parts of safe sex is consent, right? So making sure they understand what consent is, what it looks like. Um, and so they understand that like ideally, like healthy sexuality, healthy relationships, everybody agrees to do whatever the sexual stuff is, including holding hands, right? So everybody agrees. So it's having an understanding of consent. And so that is fundamental to safe sex, right? So then in terms of like their physical bodies, um, talking, everybody needs to know about all the birth controls. Everybody. Don't care if you're, don't care your sexual orientation. Don't care your gender. Everybody needs to know because it, A, it's safer because then if like there's a couple and their, you know, pregnancy can happen. If you have a son like Milo, like he knew everything and he knows that IUD is the best, absolutely the best. And then Depo, then implants, right? And then depo, and then birth control pills. Like, you know them in order. You want to talk about them in terms of efficacy. Um, and so it's fine for them to know all this stuff. And of course, condoms. Like, their penis involved, penis is involved. Everybody needs to be using condoms. Um, because, and then you talk about STIs, because, you know, you can get ailments down there. It's so fun. Oh my God. Um, would you do the condom banana thing with a tween? Oh, I did. 
Yeah, you can do on a banana thing. What I did with Milo is I I think he was like eight or nine and we I had condoms around because, of course, I did. And I'm like, hey, this is a condom. Um, it goes over your penis when you have sex. Um, it prevents pregnancy because the sperm can't get out. The semen can't get out. And, you know, sometimes people can get sexually transmitted infections, which means like you can like you can get a cold in your crotch. He was young. So I like, you know, you can get infections down there. Um, so then I said, get a load of this. They're incredibly stretchy. So we're in the bathroom and we filled it up in the sink. I mean, we have this watermelon sized condom. And I reason I told him that is because people will say the condom doesn't fit. Yes. Be unless you have a penis that is like a can of soup, a condom, even that the condoms can fit. So then we got that condom and we put it in a pot because we couldn't, you know, we couldn't get it out of the bathroom. And we took it and we have a deck and we dumped it over the deck. And so we just had this fun, silly conversation. Um, I didn't show him how to put it on because we had books and he, you know, I talked a little bit about it, but he had books to learn that from. And I would have thrown a banana at him if he wanted. So you can kind of be funny about it because it's important. And then his friend Ethan came over a couple of days later. He's like, mom, can we do the condom thing? I'm like, sure. Now, I don't know, like Ethan's parents know I'm a sex educator at the time. So I don't know if he, con- I don't know if Ethan went home and said, so condoms. And I don't remember if I said anything to his parents. I probably did. Um, so yeah, the condom and the banana thing is fine. Um, just making sure. And then this is again, a kind of a family values thing, but they should have condoms available and, and plan B should be available in your house. Um, we just had them in a drawer in the bathroom. Um, of course they were never touched. And then I was, I shouldn't even say this, well, don't tell my child, but I was in his car and I opened the glove compartment and there's box condoms in it, but he never touched the ones that we had in the bathroom. Um, and at the time I didn't have plan B available. And be, and the reason for that is because Plan B is not an abortifacient. It just prevents the egg from implanting. If you're already pregnant, the protect pregnancy will continue without any trouble. So, um, so having that available because if you have a whoops, the condom breaks, or you do it without the condom, and pregnancy can happen. You know that needs to be an option without with ease. And again, family values choice, like totally family family values thing. It's on you to figure out if this makes sense to you or work through family. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, so let's say it is a value in your family to be open about sexuality and expect maybe use of condoms and sex and things like that before marriage, et cetera. We're having a conversation about talking to tweens about sex. Do we have condoms and plan B available? I mean, because for the parent of like a nine-year-old, you might be like, oh my God, do I need to have that available in my drawers right now? Like that sounds crazy. No, 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 no. So they should know it was fine for a nine-year-old to know about birth control because you're talking about sex for pleasure, that to know about birth control, to be to push very hard on we plan pregnancies in our family. Plan pregnancies. Pregnancies should be planned. Planning pregnancies. Can't stress that enough. Um, so you're gonna talk about that. It's okay for them to know about the condoms and the birth control and a little bit about like STIs. And then you don't need the condoms and the other stuff in your home until they're like 13, 14. Like eighth grade, totally fine because um, you want them to have them available before they need them. Um, and so, you, so you're just like talking about this stuff. You're planting these seeds with your tweens. Like we're responsible. You're, we're responsible. You need to be responsible. You'll have more fun when you're in a sexual relationship if you know that everybody's communicating about birth control and you're safe if pregnancy can happen um, and that you have language for it, right? And then kind of back to that smartest kid on the playground thing. So. When they're 13 and a friend says, my 15-year-old boyfriend, no one wants to hear that, is trying to get me to have sex, then your kid's going to be able to say, you know, that's probably not a great idea. Let's talk to my mom. You can talk to my mom, right? Because that's the other thing. When we're open with our kids, our kids talk. And so if there's a child in your kid's friend group that needs help, they're going to be likely to come to you. And, you know, that is an incredible place of privilege, right? An incredible place of privilege to have that trust. Yeah, it would feel amazing if that happened. Um, okay, I just want to like backtrack. So order of operations is, you know, bodies, et cetera, when they're young. Then sex, you know, talking about the biology of how babies are made in sex. We want to then talk about people having love, making love for pleasure or having sex for pleasure and sex acts. We then want to kind of think about different sex acts like masturbation, oral sex, things like that. We want to talk about anal sex. Yeah, I got to think about all the sexes. Sorry. All the, you know, all the sex. All the sexes. And you don't trot out vaginal intercourse and then say, and P.S. You don't need to do that in the same okay. breath. One at a time. Yeah, kind of one at a time. Because you remember, we're paying away. We're like, when you say people, you're doing good. 
when you say people have like this is intercourse, this is usually how babies are made. And then that moment you say, actually, most of the time when people do have sex, they're not trying to make babies. They're doing it because it feels good to their bodies. They have an agreement. They're maybe in a, they're in a relationship and a loving relationship. So you can establish that they're doing it because it, it feels good. It's a way to connect. It's not for kids. Very clear. It's not for kids. So those other kinds of sex you can get to like a little bit later. So if we're, if you're, if you're kicking off with your nine-year-old or your 10-year-old, you're starting these conversations, then um, you're going to need to get to that oral anal sex quicker, like by 11 or so. Um, you can also, after you start the conversation, you can say, have you heard of this and see what they do with it, right? Um, you need to be ready to, with an answer. So anytime you ask a question, you need to be ready for it with an answer of some kind. So review what Amy says and <laughs> read it over before yes. you ask that question. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, we're, okay, we're going to talk about blowjobs, and then you can quote me. Um, so the other thing, too, is puberty, right? We got to get that puberty thing handled. Mm. And so kids need can ha- kids should have a book about puberty when they're nine-ish. Yeah. Um, girls start their periods as young as nine. Um, everybody's on their own trajectory. And so, and everybody needs to know what's happening with everybody else's body. Oh. Right? It's all about being informed. So if... Yeah. So it's all about being informed. Um, and it takes the mystery away. And everybody struggles during puberty. There's nobody that sails through, I don't think. Surprisingly, puberty has been kind of like a positive thing with my second child because her hair has, is turning curly as she goes through puberty. And it's amazing because also curly hair is in, wavy hair is in. So she's like super like it's like the hair product discussion far eclipses the sex us right now but um but the, so it's somehow become this sort of like randomly positive thing is that what happened to you did you get curly hair at puberty i did i had straight hair and then i got a perm in 1982 and i got the first perms that was straight on top kind of like i look right now and then curly on the bottom and then i got the second one and it never it never went away Yes. You have all these curls. Wow. Everyone's like, oh, Amy, let's try about hairstyling. And yes, to the products. <laughs> um, and this is the longest my hair has been since 1998. So um, so anyway, so yeah, so, so it can be a positive experience. And that's the other thing. Just say like, this is going to happen to your body. It's pretty damn cool, right? And so hang in there. And the more they know, the better. Like I thought I had breast cancer because I could feel the lumps of my mammary glands as my breasts were developing. Do you tell? I have not gotten to as far as that goes. Yeah. So they're really good books for kiddos with female bodies. One's called Celebrate Your Body. That is really great. Positive. So yes, it can be a positive experience, but it's really hard. It's hard to do this. Positive span on periods. It is hard. Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're leading every month. Woohoo! Sounds like fun. <laughs> but you can make life. You can have a little human being in your body. It's That's possible, which is pretty cool. But later, later, much later if you want to. Very cool. Also, no. 35 might be too old, though. I mean, right? Like, we're waiting so long that it's not... Biologically, isn't like biological peak age like 16, basically, like for... Yeah, it's something awful, like 18 or 19. We don't need that. No, no, no goals. No goals for that. I mean, in my world, no goals. No pregnancies. No one had pregnancies. It's not... I mean, it happens, but make sure your kiddos know that every step should be taken to prevent pregnancy, that it 
And you're, you know, this is another kind of controversial thing. I know we keep talking about teenagers, but, um, you know, you need to consider having your, putting your daughter on birth control, you know, when she's in high school. Because people, we were all there. Did you use birth control the sex time, first time you had sex? Maybe not. Like most folks don't really plan it out. So if your daughter's already on birth control, um, then if that happens, she's going to be informed. She's going to be empowered. And there's no evidence that it's like permission to get busy. They don't take it that way. In fact, they actually delay by about six months. My worry would be just like the hormones messing, you know, just the that piece. Like, you know, I know that it can like lower libido and have effects and things that way. No, 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 don't don't worry about that. I mean, that's old, old, old data, because when initially birth control pills, they were so strong, they messed with everything and now there are a bazillion different kinds. And yeah, people can have issues with the hormonal stuff. But it, at the end of the day, it's not um, most people do fine. And there's and there's a birth control method for just about everybody. Um, they should also know that if you put spermicide inside the end of the tip of a condom, it is almost 100 percent effective. So because it kills a little bunch when they get down there. Anyway, so we go back to tweens. I feel like we're just yeah, let's go back to tweens. What are the what are the things we wanna we have missed when we think, oh, gender and sexual orientation and things like that? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. So I think the most important thing to do is to um understand that right now we're in this kind of incredible space in the world where there's lots of expansiveness in terms of people's sexual orientations and genders. And this is a good thing. And it can also be confusing to those of us who grew up with the, you know, the binary, you're gay, you're straight, you might be bi, you're a guy, you're a gal, maybe you're transgender, right? It's not like that. I mean, it's just so much more fluid and there's so many more, I'm going to say, options. And so what's happening is our kids are growing up in this world where this is their their kind of cauldron of sexuality. And adolescence is a time of exploration and curiosity. And so the first thing is that understand that they have this opportunity that we didn't have to really think about themselves in a lot of different ways. And it it can be challenging. So the first rule of thumb is if your child tells you they've changed their pronouns to they, them, or they tell you they are pansexual or asexual. So pansexual means you're attracted to just the person. It doesn't matter what their physical body or gender is. Asexual means that they have not no interest in sexuality at all, which, you know, I'm down with 12-year-olds being asexual. So they're just exploring. And so your job is to say, thanks for telling me what does that mean and use the correct, use their new pronouns. Um, if they change their name, you're going to need to kind of roll with that. And the reason for this is that you can't, because this is about um, sort of their fundamentalness as a human, um, it's not that they're being a punker, right? I was a punk rock new wave person, right? That was exploring myself in a way. It was not fundamental to who I am as a human being. So LGBTQ kids have a, their suicide rate is four times higher than the general population. So the one thing that keeps them on par, which is terrible anyway, is parental support. So your responsibility is to be supportive, believe your child, hold it lightly, wait, and do your freak out on your own time because you just can't necessarily know. So they may be trying it on. They may be exploring. I hope I haven't said experimenting. So we're thinking about this in terms of exploration, not experimentation, because experimentation is judgy and you hear the difference. So they're exploring. 
And you may have all kinds of feelings. You may be really confused. That's your job to take care of that offline. And you can say, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? Um, so right now what we're seeing in these sort of, and maybe you're experiencing this with your kiddos friend group, like between 10 and 12 and 14, there's lots of, um, gender changing, pronoun changing, talking about their sexual orientation. Um, it oftentimes bops around. Um, and so like, and it's very common. It doesn't, it isn't a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it's hard, right? Cause you want your child to be healthy and happy and they're doing something that seems screwy, right? And so what do you do? You don't want your child to get hurt, right? You don't want your child to get um, stigmatized, right? There's so many things that are happening. So it's kind of rough, but you got to wait. You have to be their supporter. Yeah. And you need to process. Like My children have a number of friends, quite a number of friends who change their names and change their pronouns. And it's confusing for me, but like they have not at least as of yet. And I can't imagine, like, I would feel grief if they rejected the name, you know, I gave them, and you know, in a lot of ways. Like, I, there I mean, there would be a lot yeah. of processing to yeah. go through. Yeah, I mean, that would be hard, right? That would be hard. And also, it's probably highly likely it's not forever, right? It's highly likely that it is a temporary, again, exploration. And so... So be the supporter, be on their team, um, hold it lightly. Don't, you know, don't necessarily like jump in and say, okay, let's schedule, you know, your, your hormones and your surgery, right? But just like, let's, you know, let's be a supporter and a grounding force in this process. Yeah. And, you know, the, there's some rules of thumb. Like if, uh, if a child in consistently, persistently insists there are another gender or sexual orientation for, you know, I would say it would need to go over a year at least uh, with ki- with like more toward heading into adolescence. Then you need therapy. Then they need therapy. Then they need to be really sure, especially if they're trans. Like the trans being trans is a really big deal. Um, the other things can be a bigger deal. But if your child is like, I am absolutely not in the I am in the wrong body for my I am not a guy. Like if I were, I'm not a guy, I'm not a guy, I'm not a guy. I'm not a gal, I'm not a gal, I'm not a gal. They're very insistent about it. Then that may mean that they are trans. Um, so again, we're kind of back to this hold it lightly thing. And it's a big deal to go through the hormones and and all that stuff. So, and one of the things about hormone blockers is that they are instantly reversible. So if, you know, if your kiddo is on hormone blockers, if that makes sense for them, um, and then they move through their adolescence and into their adulthood and they think, okay, this actually isn't who I am. They're instantly reversible. Um, so, but most kids don't go, don't do that. Most kids don't. And the good news is there's tons and tons of support for families and kids who are actively like more serious, maybe, or you know, that's a terrible way to talk about it. But, you know, it's like a bigger deal for some kids. So, um, and it's tons, there's tons of support, tons of support. Yeah, there's a spectrum from exploration to, you know, et cetera. Um, and so the, this is good, you know, important for us to, regardless of what, you know, even if our kids remain cisgender, right, the gender that they were at birth and, you know, heterosexual, or even if they are that way, it's really important for us to have, a, to practice a, a language and a mindset of, openness and inclusiveness so you so that then 
you know, when we can approach it without judgment, then they're less, then they're more likely to come talk to us about the various things they need to talk to us about. Yeah. Yeah. It all trickles down, right? Like, and it's hard not to be judgmental, but that's why you have friends. You can vent, right? <laughs> and talk about how crazy it's making you and, you know, what the heck with the they, them pronouns and, you know, like trying to sort all that out. Um, and it's going to be swing back, it's going to become normal, right? This will become a normal part of adolescence. It won't feel so outrageous or whatever people are feeling. Um, And, you know, again, you have to take it seriously because who we are as a sexual person, our sexuality, our gender are fundamental to being human. Yes. Like I said, I was a new waiver punker, uh, not fundamental to my, well, at the time it was, but not (laughs) pencil, right? It was so important that I showed up like that. Um, So, Anyway, um, you know, and I think maybe just kind of to circle back to the tween piece. So I just the good news is with tweens is that you can get a lot more information into them more quickly than if you're starting at five. You have this long trajectory, which is nice, but they learn more quickly. They understand things more quickly. The problem is the pushback, but the pushback, you expect the pushback. You have a response to the pushback. Um, We didn't talk about little tip things to help them be more engaged. Yeah, yeah. Listening. Yeah, yeah. Give us those as as we close up. That yeah. would be fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, don't look them in the eye. Make it really casual. Like you said, conversations in the car, right? That's a really good time to have. Don't abuse it. But that's a good time to talk with them. When you're doing the dishes, folding laundry, walking the dog, um, they do better when they're involved in an activity and you just kind of like, hey, and you can do these things like, hey, I was just thinking, have you ever heard the word blowjob? They're not getting it. <laughs> You like, okay, she's nuts. Do we care? We don't care. Um, so finding those times, paying attention as they're into puberty, uh, I call it being lucid to when they're lucid, right? Um, they work, they have to keep their poop in a group all day long. And so when they come home from school and you're like, so let's talk about intercourse. No. Um, so, and usually, unfortunately, as you all know, it's like they're all hot to trot at nine o'clock at night. And you're like, people, it is bedtime. So paying attention to their moods and thinking about like, when is this going to be a good time to talk about this? Um, Watching media, TV, shows, movies, music lyrics, friends, stuff you hear on the radio. You can say, oh, hey, I loved that moment between the two of them. And then, okay, they got that little thing in there. I love Never Have I Ever because it's just got some great adolescent moments. It's teenager, but it's fine for tweens to watch. Um, And then just... Just doing things like leaving post-it notes. Your children should not have a phone um, until they are in the seventh grade or eighth grade. But if they do have a phone, you can text them little things if you want to. Um, That's better for older kids. Um, And then the last thing is this. You cannot hurt them. You cannot hurt them. You can only help them by talking openly about this. So don't worry about giving them too much information. It is virtually impossible for us to do that. So your goal is sweaty upper lip. If you have a sweaty upper lip, you're rocking. And again, just say I'm uncomfortable. I haven't talked about that. Like, do that. It's fine. It's fine. It's helpful to them. It's helpful to them. And then um, the other thing, too, is it's okay to plan. So my book, Leaf Through, and you're like, God, you haven't really talked about periods, and you have a person who isn't going to have a period. You have a person with a penis. So that you can say, all right, I want to get this stuff in here. How am I going to do this? Oh, I know. When I go to the grocery store, I'm going to buy a box of pads or tampons or something, right? And then you can say, hey, do you know what these are? And then you go, right? So it's okay to plan. Don't, um, you know, I, ha- I know some people make notes in their phone or put it on their calendar. 
right? And just like, oh, yeah, you should have a little sex talk. Um, so it's fine to do that. It don't, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Amy, your book is so great. I really have to like tell you now that I've been forced to look through it. I'm I'm just like, there's so many dog-eared pieces and I'm just like, okay, what is the script in here that I am going to think about so that I can have a folding laundry moment and I will actually know what to say. But dear listener, I highly, highly recommend Amy's book, Sex Talks with Tweens, what to say and how to say it. It's going to be invaluable to you. You should definitely, definitely get it. Um, I highly recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you found it helpful. There's nothing like a real life person. I just think, okay, I'm doing it. I got it. I'm going to do it. Actually, I have to go pick up my tween. She's still a tween in like 20 minutes, but she is going to be protected by the fact that her seven-year-old neighbor is also being picked up in the car with her. So I will like maul the gung-ho-ness I feel at this moment would be tempered, which is that's probably a good thing. Probably. Uh, <laughs> we can like hard and, you know, fire hose her. Um, yeah, that's good. We can just plan now, right? You got a little plan. There's probably something we talked about. They're like, okay, I need to do this. So later on tonight, take the opportunity when you see it, keep it short and sweet and no one's going to die. No one's going to throw up. Promise. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. I always love talking to even if it makes me slightly anxious (laughs) and I really really appreciate you taking the time and sharing what you have to share with us because it's so 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 important thank you so much Amy thank you and thank you for trusting me with your people I just really feel so honored um so thanks so much for that thank you so much for listening to this episode so I have to give you an update Since I have had this conversation with Amy that afternoon, it turns out my younger neighbor did not need a ride home to that day. So I had time in the car with my 12-year-old and I brought some subjects up right away. And she said to me, she's going on 13, so she said basically like, mom, you're too late. I know about all this stuff, but she's cool. And so I've been bringing up different things all throughout the week since then, here and there. And you know what? It's not that hard. Once you just say it, you just say it and it's okay. And in fact, we had a conversation after our first initial conversation. um, We had a conversation about preventing pregnancy and how, you know, contraceptives and things like that. And she asked questions. So it can be done even if you're nervous. I was so nervous. And I have to let you know that it was helpful and we're having conversations and it's opened things up. So that's exciting. And I even had some conversations with my 15-year-old who is often openly very hostile about these kind of conversations. And we've had some more things. I said, I'm sorry I should have talked to you, but I totally apologize and said I should have talked to you about this earlier. And um, she was funny, though, because she identifies as gay. And she said, I went out and I got condoms and I got plan B. And I have them now in my bathroom. And she's like, there's no way I'm ever, ever going to need that. She was laughing at me. But I said, OK, it's fine. It's even just if your friends ever need it, just it's a source for you 
to have it here. And um, and so it's opening up conversations. So that's my update since my conversation with Amy it kind of kicked me in the pants. And we've opened things up since then. I feel really good about it. So you can do it too. Let this podcast episode be your kick in the pants to have your own conversations. Get her talk, Sex Talks with Tweens. I think it's incredibly valuable, whether you know, get it before your kids a tween so you can kind of read up. And even if you have a teenager, it was very helpful for me to realize all the things that we need to talk about. And anyway, I just can't say enough about it. So, so helpful. So I know you have friends who feel squeamish about this because, I mean, I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty open person and I felt really squeamish about this. So if you know you have some squeamish friends, share this episode. Share this episode on your social media. Text it to your friends and let them know and let it start a conversation between you. Um, and then we're going to keep kids safer. It's all for the good. We can get over our squeamishness for the good of our kids. We can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Okay. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm wishing you a fabulous week. I'm wishing you peace and ease and some uncomfortable conversations. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you well. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. 
I look forward to seeing you on the inside. MindfulParentingCourse.com Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.